Hello, friends. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Soul Care Podcast. I am your host, Dave Cummings. Really appreciate you spending some time with me here today. Before I get started, I just have to apologize in advance. I am at the tail end of what has been a miserable cold. Not that any cold is fun, but uh, this one has just really beaten me up. And as a teacher, I'm always trying to, to talk and just kind of losing my voice and I, I sound terrible. So uh, if it doesn't sound like me, it really is me, I promise. Uh, I just, uh, uh, my, my voice just isn't working right today. And I just want to say I'm sorry about that ahead of time. I hope it isn't a distractor. It doesn't bother you. Listen, before we get into our topic today, I have an announcement that I want to make. I've, I've hinted along the way that uh, I've, I've been writing a book. And I've been working on this book for about three years now, and it is just about ready. The book is called Everybody's Got Bears. Uh, and the metaphor being that that bears, a bear encounter, like the one I told you about in an earlier episode, uh, can trigger our fight-or-flight response. And so much of how we respond to stress really resembles that. It really actually is, um, in different ways, part of the fight-or-flight response. And so Everybody's Got Bears is a book about my own personal experience with chronic stress, with uh, my own anxiety and depression, and when it all kind of came to a head a few years back. I talked about this uh, a little bit in an earlier episode if you want to check that out. But I really wanted to get this all on paper and share my story and not just my story of kind of when I broke down, but what I learned during the process and um, and the whole the whole uh, process of climbing back out of that pit if, if you want to use the metaphor of falling into a pit. And everything that I've learned along the way, it's it's been uh, quite a journey and the Lord's really been blessing me in so many ways. As I've been sharing my story and I decided it's time to get it on paper. So for the past three years, I've been writing this book and it is finally coming out. Everybody's Got Bears is going to be available on Amazon. I'm publishing it through something called Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing. It's going to be available on Amazon on March 1st, 2019. So I hope you'll keep your eyes out for it. Stay tuned. Stay connected with me through uh, Facebook, through Instagram, through my weekly emails uh, that uh, that come out every weekend. Uh, you can subscribe to those, by the way, by going to my website, davidedwardcummings.com, and click subscribe. Leave me your, your email address, and you'll get information on when the book is coming out and all sorts of other things, information about speaking events and book signings and all those kinds of fun things, as well as a weekly mini blog. And I say mini, it shouldn't take you more than 15, 20 seconds to actually read the words. And the hope is that it would be really encouraging to you. And I really want to keep the conversation going. It's sort of like when you go to church on Sunday, you know, you shouldn't just think about God on Sundays. He should be present in your mind and your heart and your life, guiding your, your decisions and all the things that you do throughout the week as well. I don't want us to drop this conversation of our mental and emotional health and only think about it once a week or once a month, whatever, however often you connect with me. So these uh, these email reminders going out are there for you to always go back to and hopefully find some encouragement and inspiration. And if you don't want to mess with subscribing on the website, but you still want to receive these emails, shoot me a note, david at davidedwardcummings.com. And uh, send me the email address that you want me to, to uh, add to and what your name is, and I'll put you on the list. And, you know, after a couple of weeks, if you don't like it, just click unsubscribe down at the bottom of one of the emails, and you'll never hear from me again. So hopefully, though, I think you'll enjoy those and you'll get a lot out of it. Hope you'll check into that. The other thing, I guess, where I was going with that 
is that uh, you can get all the updates on this book as it's coming up, as we're getting closer. So I just announced the book this past week that it's coming out, its its title and the uh, release date. There are also going to be um, a couple of launch parties uh, where you can uh, attend and pick up a copy of the book and we can chat about it and, and we can get to know each other a little bit better. Um, in fact, I've got a variety of speaking events coming up that I'll be telling you about both through this podcast, but also uh, more importantly through the the weekly email. So please uh, please sign up and find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram, and we can stay connected. Listen, the topic I want to talk to you about today is this idea of self-diagnosis. It's so, so tempting to do in today's culture, especially with the internet. The internet is so loaded with information. You can find information about absolutely anything. Now, yeah, there's bad information, but there's also a lot of really good information out there, which makes it even more tempting to diagnose ourselves, to play doctor, really. And uh, if, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, I want you to understand that I really believe that that is a dangerous road to go down. Let me tell you a little bit about it. So um, I have a PhD degree in microbiology. Uh, I am a biomedical scientist. I teach infectious diseases. I direct a research program in infectious diseases. You would think that um, that maybe a guy like me could take information from the internet and from textbooks and from uh, the, the scientific literature and do a pretty good job of diagnosing myself. But you know what? I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. Yeah, my students call me Dr. Cummings all the time. And sometimes I start to believe that I'm something more than a microbiologist. But I have a PhD, not an MD. I don't see patients. I see Petri dishes, honestly. And there's a very big difference. Uh, the internet is full of information, but to grasp this with me, information is not the same as wisdom. Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. We can get tons and tons of information and have no clue what to do with it. Have no ability to make mature, safe, accurate, wise decisions with that information. And I'm going to argue to you right now that that kind of decision-making, such as diagnosing an illness, uh, really, really should be left to the professionals. Now, some of you may um, be suspicious of the medical community for one reason or another. Maybe you've had a bad experience. But I want to try to convince you today that there is nobody better positioned in our world to help us with metal, medical and mental um, problems that we have. Uh, the, the medical community really is the best place to go to get a professional set of eyes and ears on our situation. So I'm a doctor of microbiology. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a quote-unquote real doctor, as my kids like to tell me. And, and it's really because information about pathogens, about microorganisms that cause disease, doesn't mean, doesn't translate to wisdom about diagnosing someone, uh, prescribing a right course of treatment, etc. So I thought I would diagnose myself. When I was really sick several years ago, I was physically ill and I had not yet made the connection between my physical illness and, um, and the, the mental stress and anxiety and depression that I was dealing with. Uh, and so I was going to make the diagnosis. And so, of course, as a microbiologist, I'm looking at all the different pathogens that could be causing the symptoms I was experiencing. And so I had this long list of possibilities, and every now and then I'd pinpoint it, and I was absolutely sure it was this particular organism or that particular organism. And I even had a, an explanation for where I think I picked it up. 
And every time I went into the doctor, I would argue my point like a lawyer. And uh, in most cases, they would very respectfully um, attempt to run tests to validate my diagnosis. And I was never right. Not surprisingly, I'm not a doctor, right? So no matter what, a guy like me with a PhD, and I've had my doctorate for almost 20 years now. I've been doing this kind of work since since the mid-90s, okay? So for 23 years, I've been doing this kind of work and thinking about these kinds of things. And I was not able to come up with an accurate diagnosis. Uh, I was deceived by the physical symptoms and completely blind to the possibility that there were mental symptoms or mental causes of the physical symptoms. But even if that had been physical causes, biomedical causes to my symptoms, chances are I would not have been the right person to have diagnosed that and come up with the correct answer. And what ends up happening, this is really important, what ends up happening when we try diagnosing ourselves, whether it's mentally diagnosing ourselves or diagnosing some sort of a, a physical ailment, we end up getting anxious. We build up our anxiety. You know, you may just have a cold, but you have convinced yourself that you've got cancer or you've got lupus. You've got something that is far more serious than what you're actually dealing with. Or in my case, I'd, I'd convince myself that I had a particular infection. The doctors would rule out that infection. And then what would happen when I was wrong, when I was proved wrong, is I would get anxious about it. And I noticed, well, I know now when I look back on it, I can see that with every, every clear uh, diagnosis, every time they'd say, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, you're healthy here. Nope, you're healthy here. My health actually got worse. Okay, there's a cycle here of of um, physical illness and anxiety. And the more we try to self-diagnose, the more likely we're going to build up that anxiety, which is then going to feed back into whatever the illness is, whether it's anxiety-related like mine was, or a totally uh, independent, just physical illness. In either case, they're going to feed off each other if we continue to try to figure this out entirely on our own. I really want to warn you against doing this. Um, public health professionals call this, you know, medical doctors call this health anxiety. And health anxiety is a very real thing. And we only make it worse when we try to play doctor. And the internet is not helping the situation. Lots of great information. You can Google information, but you can't Google wisdom. That may be the best thing I'm going to say in this whole podcast. So write that down. You can Google information, but you cannot Google wisdom. And there's a very big difference there. Uh, I can't argue strongly enough for the importance of getting a professional set of eyes and ears on your situation, regardless of past experiences that you've had, maybe misdiagnoses or something along those lines. <clears throat> you need to get the real doctors, not... Uh, not um, you know, WebMD or the Mayo Clinic, both of which are very interesting websites, by the way. Um, you need to get the real doctors who have real experience. What's different about a real doctor than you and me? Well, they have not just information, but they have experience, right? So as a, as a biology professor, I teach a lot of students that are pre-med. They want to go on to be doctors. And so I've been doing this long enough that many of them are doctors now. And so I've watched them go through the whole sequence of events where they start with something like a biology major and they learn how living cells work and how the human body works and microorganisms work and so on. 
at that basic functional scientific level. So four years to get that first bachelor's degree and they bust their tails to get that bachelor's degree. And then they bust their tails to get into medical school. And then during medical school, they spend the next four years learning how to apply all that information about the immune system and so on to actual live human beings. And in fact, usually during their third year, they start seeing actual patients. They start seeing live patients. So by the time they graduate, they've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of live patients. And they can take the information that they've learned from their undergraduate and from their medical school experience and begin creating wisdom from it, like emerging it with, with experience, with real life experience, so that they can then accurately diagnose people and put together a prognosis and a treatment plan for those individuals. And that's just leading up to the point of graduation and getting their MD degree. Then they go on and do a residency. And residency is anywhere from two to six years. I think they average probably three, four years, somewhere around there, where they're working way too long hours, completely stressed out. That's another topic for another time. But they are seeing nothing but patients all day, every day. So by the time they finish their residency, They've already done 12 years of training and they have worked with literally thousands and thousands of actual real patients, applying the theory and the information to the real life situation. And, and that is why they have the wisdom and the capability to actually diagnose us and to prescribe a treatment plan for us. So um, before you dismiss the medical doctors, whether it's psychiatry or uh, general practice or any of the other doctors, any of the other specialties, um, I, I want you to take into consideration what, what they've gone through to get where they're at and how different it is from anything you and I can do with information from, from books or from the internet. Uh, you know, 20 minutes on the internet is never gonna replace 12 years of, of training and thousands and thousands of patients visited. Uh, I, I really hope you get that point and you really understand that. I wanna leave you with one last thought that's tied into all this. Uh, when I was ill and before I had a diagnosis, I got a lot of very well-intentioned, well-meaning advice from people who weren't professionals, but they loved me and cared about me in one way or another, whether it was family or friends or people in my, my church or community or, or elsewhere. Um, it, that falls, in my opinion, that falls very clearly in the same category as self-diagnosis. Right, Your experience, my personal experience, may not translate to the next person's experience. And so for me to tell someone like you, here's the solution, here's the one answer, here's the one thing that is going to fix it, that would be arrogant and it would be really naive and foolish of me, which is why I don't dispense any advice. Right, What has worked for me may not work for you. What worked for you may not work for the next person. Now, before someone is under the care of a doctor, it's really important that we as friends and family step in and guide them towards those professionals, right? That kind of intervention really early on is super important to give them that kind of support, but ultimately pointing them to the professionals. Once they're under the care of a professional, our job is no longer to give advice. Our job is to support them to help them to trust the process and the medical community, even if it's a trial and error process. 
For example, I've met people who have tried one medication, it didn't work for them, and so they want to write off the whole medical community or write off all of medication because this one thing didn't work. And in, in their mind, that, that means it's all hocus pocus, it's all guesswork. Well, it's not. There's a process, it can be slow, it's not perfect, but those professionals are in a much better position than you and I are to guide our loved ones through this process. So I just want to warn you that early on when, when, when someone we care about is struggling, but they're not getting the professional care that they need. We can love them. We can give them guidance and advice to the best of our ability without overstepping our bounds, um, without getting beyond what we call our scope of practice, right? Within our, our reasonable training and understanding, depending on you know what, what your training and experiences are. But once we've handed them off to that professional community, we've got to help them trust that professional community by not questioning them and second-guessing them and by not continuing to give advice or to tell them, oh, no, you don't need that medication. You just need to pray more. Or, no, that didn't work for me, so you shouldn't use it. Um, when, when the doctors prescribe or recommend something, we shouldn't be the ones stepping in and trying to change things. We simply don't have the knowledge and understanding. In particular, we don't have the wisdom to really do that. And we may actually be doing, at that point, more harm than good. And I know none of us wants to do that. The bottom line, though, that you really need to remember is that I did not get better. I did not start the process of healing and recovery until I got a professional diagnosis. When I was trying to do things on my own, I got nowhere. When I was trying to respond to the advice of well-intentioned, well-meaning people who cared for me and about me and loved me, I got nowhere. And it was not until I went through a lengthy process of trial and error with professionals in the medical community that I finally got an accurate diagnosis and an accurate and helpful plan to get back on my feet again and get my life back again. Um, so regardless of what you think of this whole process, regardless of what you think of the medical community, I can tell you from my own experience that without them, it's going to be very, very difficult to make any realistic progress towards your goals of getting healthy again or helping your loved ones to get healthy again. All right, lots of thoughts and ideas there. Um, I hope that, that there was some nugget in all of that that resonated with you, that challenged the way you think, or um, maybe put into words something that you've been feeling but couldn't quite quite put into your own words. So I hope that was a really helpful time that we spent together there. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. I'm so grateful that you're willing to join me in this journey and in this conversation. I look forward to the many different ways we're going to keep this conversation going through the podcast, through the website, through blogs and vlogs, through live speaking events, and really soon through this book, Everybody's Got Bears. Thanks for joining me.